Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 66, a done-in-one episode where Graham McMillan and I come as close to giving you an hour and 40 minutes of frothy comic talk as is humanly possible. Topics covered include a very lengthy discussion about the just-released Defenders Number 1 and the power of secret shoutouts, Dark Horse Digital's recent pricing hullabaloo, Avengers vs. X-Men, Bendis leaving Avengers, Spaceman Number 2, OMAC Number 4, Daredevil Number 6, the Lethal Weapon comic that never was, Flash Number 3, and, of course, yes, the Muppet movie. It's all here in one Mondo and installment for you, and, as always, we thank you for listening. Hello, Jeff, and welcome to the Skype call testing service. <laughs> How did you know that was what I just called? That's eerie. Because <laughs> that's what I just called as well. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, you know how Jeff and I prepare for this podcast. It is true. It is true. It's like a quick call. It's like, okay, does my recording program still work? Do my headphones still work? It's, it's sort of that weird, like check your breath before meeting a friend to make sure it's not stinky and then discover that it is stinky but you've only got like a minute to go anyway and you're just like oh we're just gonna have to do it (laughs) that's fine i just won't look at him directly that's how that's how we podcast without looking at each other directly well that is that is in some ways true how are you sir i'm i'm puggled how are you you're i'm sorry puddled puzzled puggled Puggled is a word potentially invented by someone I went to art school with years ago. He d- he's definitely the first one I ever heard use it. I don't know if he invented it or not. Um, basically meaning just exhausted, but a particular type of exhausted, like a sort of harried exhausted. So you look like a pug, perhaps? Potentially? I don't know. I don't, I don't. It's, it is evocative, I have to say. He was, he was from Perth, so I mean, maybe, maybe it's a Perth thing, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, first order of business. Uh, have you ever tried Googling it? That's a really good question. I was just Googling Prop 8. Seems I just saw someone on Twitter say that Prop 8 was overturned. Is that true? Uh, dude, I've been running around all day kind of crazy. I. Oh my god, Puggles is on Urban Dictionary. Aha. And? Uh, it means finished, defeated, frustrated, or under the weather. Uh, well, there we go. There we go. Um, so yes, although you're not defeated. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly defeated. I'm defeated. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm really not. I've had this, I've had this really weird week where this will give you a snapshot as to where my head is at right now. I am caught up on work. In fact, I'm slightly ahead on work, mm-hmm. but I'm so not ahead of where I wanted to be that I feel like I'm behind. Oh, crap. Does that make sense? What? <laughs> yes, it does. It's one of those, you have to stop and think, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That uh, is really... F- uh, okay, there's something about Prop 8 donors have no right to anonymity. Is that... Is that- uh, well, I know the Prop 8 was being... There were hearings this afternoon. It was, it was going to right. be in circuit. But, uh, and I can't see anything anywhere saying that it's been overturned. Yeah, it's a yeah. I don't see it, but I mean, I, I think someone. Admittedly, I'm looking at the SF Gate, which I think someone on Twitter is actually just lying. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, right? Just sort of going crazy, or they heard something. That's the great thing about Twitter, uh, and by great, I mean maybe not so great. Is it can spread disinformation so fast? Yeah, it really can. You're like, what? So and so is dead. 
exactly. And then it's like, oop, sorry, sorry, everyone, sorry for my part in. I I think I'd like to think that I have a pretty clean record in terms of that, but there have been a few things where I've like forwarded things and then had to actually retract things. So, you know, that's how it happens. But hey, comics kids, comics. So, have you had a chance to read many comics this week, Jeff? It depends on what your definition of many is. It really does. I'd say two, four. I get it. Was should be able to do two, eight, maybe, maybe, maybe ten comics. Oh, you're, uh, all from this week? Yeah. Well, no. I was gonna say you're in you're store in like three weeks. Okay, that's good because um, yeah, you're probably ahead of me. All I've read from this week is Defenders. Although I have, in my really bizarre way, read Defenders, which came out this week because I got it digitally. Mm-hmm. Um. Ooh. I've also read things that have come out a long time ago through the magic of trades and library and things that are coming out a long time from now thanks to comps. So my sense of when now is in comics is so right. screwed up. You've got to be deeply, deeply confused. Well, should we jump right in on Defenders or were there other things you wish to use? Uh, let's just let it happen organically. What did you think of Defenders, Jeff? Uh, <laughs> oh, really? You know... That was a sad sigh. <laughs> You know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to like it. I and I read it, and I was like, I finished it, and I was kind of like, yeah, it didn't work for me. And then I kind of was thinking about it, and I'm like, nah, I'm being too hard on it. And I jumped back in, and I reread it, and then I was like, mm, yeah, you know, I mean, I have to say, interestingly enough, one of the things that was really hard for me was, and this is something I don't normally do so it sort of threw things off but by listening to fractions word balloon interview just the first part of it where he begins to talk a little bit about what's going on in the defenders and sort of pitch it um it was a little distressing for me to actually like i feel like in a way even though he didn't spoil things he just had little character bits when i read it it seemed like i was like huh so that's that bit that's that bit. Yeah. The other thing that was weird, and I and this is, um, I think, closer to why I had some problems with it, is um, there were a couple of things that when Fraction was talking in the interview, he was like, yeah, you know, he would kind of say his little pitchy bit, sort of, and is like, and the Hulk says he needs plausible deniability, so he can't go anywhere near this. And I was like, huh, I wonder how that's going to play out in the script, because that doesn't work. And then it's literally the line in the script. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, like the, what if the Hulk had a, had a Hulk, is kind of, like, that is something that someone actually comes out of someone's mouth. And <laughs> I was, uh... I'm not so pleased with that, I guess. I love that that's the way you put it. That is something that came out of someone's mouth. I have to say that I both enjoyed it and was really disappointed by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I can tell that we loved one of the same things about it, though, which is the the little... Um, the things at the bottom? Yeah, the things at the bottom. Uh, uh, potentially great. Yes, and I love the use of them. Mm. I love that they not only do the, the, you know, buy this other comic, but that they're also just random taglines for the series. That according to, uh, I saw Tom Brevar and Farmspring today say, oh, they're really important, and they're going mm-hmm. to turn into something down the line. Mm-hmm. Which I think could be lovely. I think that could be really, really fun if they actually really start playing with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I in fact... That was the thing. There was a few things in there that seemed like random phrases or phrases that were related to the Defenders. I actually liked those more than the 
than the outside the box stuff. The the like the mentioning like Secret Avengers or Journey into Mystery or because I mean I or Avengers Academy. Like I know that's how the original usage was to type other books, mm-hmm. but um, it seemed to me to actually work better. Like I like, and who knows? Maybe it will evolve. But I think if it had been flat out outside the box commentary, like either you know um, authorial meta commentary or commentary of uh, another kind, um, I I think the idea of that was really clever. This is my problem with Defenders. I thought a lot of it was really clever. I just thought the execution was bungled. Like a, a surprisingly high percentage of the time. I I am so close to completely agreeing with you, but I think I would give it less of a, a high bungle rating. Mm. Um, I, it's one of those comics that, again, I think I like the idea of it much more than I like the actual comic. Mm-hmm. But, for example, on, on the, the taglines at the bottom of the pages, I actually think you have to have the call-outs to the comics because otherwise I'm not sure it would be incredibly obvious that that's what it's a reference to. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, sure. th- I think if by issue four, it's literally just lines that seem to be referring to the text or referring to future events in the series and doesn't have, like, you know, hey, X-23s in the Avengers Academy, I think that'll be fine. But I think for the first issue, it actually has to start the way it starts. Otherwise, you might not make the leap to, oh, they're actually doing that 1970s thing. Interesting. I kind of thought that the the very first one, considering that it it references a future issue of the Defenders. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought I thought that was arguably the nicest one because yeah. it's both a really obvious callback to the seventies, but also a comment on what's happening on the page. It's comments on what's happening on the page, and it also instructs you on how it's going to be twisting it. You know. Yeah, because they never, they never, and so that would have been my thing. I would agree with you if all of the references had been for future issues of the Defenders, um, or even previous issues of the Defenders, and then and then twisted it. But the the other stuff, I mean, because this is my other problem is is once you mention the you know the other titles, I'm like it, it and, and unfortunately that's it for whatever reason it didn't work that was the part where i was like uh yeah no uh nah, you know but i see i see your point and i feel like i'm very very much quibbling i just know that um you know i went from like oh this is really great and smart to hitting the end of the issue and going yeah i kind of just don't feel like that landed you know what I mean? I just I, have I, that. I feel like, a lot of it that... didn't land. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I'm, one of my problems with this actually is every uh, internal the monologue mm-hmm. is in exactly the same voice. Yes, I know. Isn't that so? Bad? So apparently like... everyone thinks the same way. I mean, it's one thing for the Hulk not to sound like the Hulk, and the Hulk really doesn't sound like the Hulk. The Hulk pretty much shows up and is like, "I am an exposition machine." Oh yeah. Um, I mean, have you seen the, the Muppets movie yet? Uh, yes, yes, so, I have. What Defenders needs is Stadler and Waldorf to come on when the Hulk's there and be like, "That sounds like a lot of exposition to me," and then wander <laughs> off because that's what he does. He shows up and he's just—he's an exposition machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, it was it was not it that was not what there were so many things that just weren't well handled. Like there were things I just was baffled again going back to the word balloon thing like you know 
when Fraction's like, yeah, Iron Force is on the team because they need a plane. And I mean, they actually, they actually say that. Yes, I was like, what the fuck? Like, really? I mean, it was it was really disquieting to me. I'm glad I'm glad that I don't follow hype as much as I do. Because you but... you'd be taking out the stories all the time. I guess, or I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming not everyone does it quite the same where someone sort of conversationally says something and you're like, oh, okay, and then you read it in the book and it's like, huh, those are actually the words on the page. I'm stunned somehow. Like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, it, it kind of did... Uh... It's, it's very, like, there's a lot of dialogue. The dialogue's a real problem because... Fraction, <laughs> no, but Fraction is turning to a writer who really is turning into Bendis. He's turning into, I can do one voice... And if you like that voice, you're fine. But if you don't, then you're in trouble. And, and the real problem for me is the Hulk. Because the Hulk even says, don't get me wrong, I hate myself and I want to die, but right. just not today. And that's like, there is no version of the Hulk that would ever say that. In fact, yeah. there's no version of any person on the planet that would ever say that. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I'm almost willing to bet that is something that Matt Fraction says three times a week now. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I but yeah, but, but you'll see it in an ironic sense. Do you know what I mean? Well, sure. I think <laughs> I think the Hulk was too. Damn it, Graham. But no, 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 no. I'm I'm that had that moment of the like I've read that and instantly the little like you know. But look, it's on the page, so he did say it. Kind of just popped into my head like ooh no. Yeah, I, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of sad that Fraction said that because I think that's always going to be present whenever he does something out of character now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's almost as if he can't, we're not even giving him the right to make mistakes anymore because we're almost judging him as in like, well, he'll he'll come up with this defense, which is a shitty defense. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he, he can't win now after saying. Mm, well, sure. But I mean, but that's that's the problem with not conceding a fight. You know what I mean? Like he can't, he can't no, you win can't, you can't... in the future because he didn't let it go at the time. I think. Sure, but also, I, 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 I. This is the bizarre way well where I'm defending fraction. Um, you can't, you can't conceded that fight. Like he, he couldn't have. He, mm. How could he have conceded that fight? Mm. Well, because because concession would have been, yeah, I really screwed up. That's not in character for that at all, and it's really a cheap bit just to try and raise the stakes, and it's false drama, and it undercuts the story. But I don't really have anything else to put in there. You can't say that. I mean, <laughs> See, Graham, in, in a I, sir, I'm sorry. You were playing the 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 game of what's that called? The false dilemma. Like I'm like. I don't like that's really that's the option B is it like no I'm not saying like full disclosure well, but what, you can what, say there? I, I don't know I, I'm sorry it didn't work for you I thought that it seemed really important for the character at the time that's part of my conception of the character I'm sorry you don't feel the same you know it's not you it's me I mean you know what I mean like it could be one of those things I'm sorry it didn't didn't he do variations on I'm sorry it didn't work for you before he got snarky I mean I can't I can't remember yeah I was about to say I'm like I don't yeah I'm sure he did but that's what I'm saying when you break out the when once you break out the the counter punch you know what I mean like you're kind of like I I, I have trouble with the whole like oh it's kind of a shame that when he like punched you in the kidneys you're now gonna act like he's a kidney puncher from now you know, like first of all, I love the poor like, him. kidney puncher. Yeah, exactly. a kidney puncher. Um, kidney puncher. No, but it, uh, again, defending him, 
if so, if you if you make a mistake and someone goes, you made a mistake, and you go, yeah, I kind of made a mistake, but you know, it's not that bad. And they're like, yeah, but you made a mistake. You made a mistake. You made a mistake. Eventually, you will just be like, okay, fuck you. You will punch them in the kidneys. Uh-huh. Wow. Do, do you not think? You know, I, dude, I don't know. I don't. Let's put it this way. Yes, I. Like, going back. <laughs> this way, no, I no, agree. No, I, I, cause I do and I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm in this stage where I honestly think that that everyone at Marvel is getting, uh, is in a bad situation. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just no way around it. I don't think that writers should be turned into the internet sales force for their own books without having the actual marketing people back them up or to be working with the marketing people on from you know from the ground so i don't think that they're in a great situation there and then you can just go on and on to talk about you know what a a terrifying you know scary you know soul stripping demon mining machine marvel comics a has become and is gearing up to become you know so so on the one hand yeah i i do i feel for those guys and i don't want to be like super super bitchy defenders was it it wasn't is it wasn't horrible i really (laughs) did want it to be i did want it to be better i have to admit i picked it up i'm like i'm gonna give this a try Huh. I I, I really wanted to be, it to be better as well. I feel that yeah. um, for example, I'm not Wolverine X Men. I think Wolverine X Men had a much better first issue. Uh, right. Well, and, all, and also has a similar tone to what I feel this is going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel that both of them are going for some sort of uh, I don't want to say updated Silver Age, but something along those lines, something lighter, something slightly crazier, something more inv- uh, innovative or not innovative but um, imaginative perhaps. Um, and I think Wolverine X Men did it better than this did. Uh, right. Well, yeah. Uh, sure. I can. I apparently, man, I really got to read that damn thing. But I mean, my my thing is is like I just want to say I'm not counting Defenders out. Uh, down for the count. I'll. I'm going to give another issue a try. Um, I kind of think that. Uh, Fraction coming sort of out of a really fatiguing event and also trying to write a book Marvel style has a number of things that it's like, yeah, let's let's wait and see. And I did. I love the little 70 call-out boxes at the bottom and doing something very different in with them in a way that is um, you know, quote-unquote classic fraction. The things from him that I really like. So, we'll see. It's just kind of a shame that, that, that there's a lot of same problems but you know that's eh, it's a first issue i you know i could have um i have to say i'm a little weirded out by the wait what's though <laughs> are you really someone said that on twitter right uh-huh uh-huh yeah i mean i, I, was like, I probably wouldn't have noticed if someone hadn't said that on twitter I mean, it only appears twice, and let's face it, Wait What is a comic staple, which is how we ended up with the title. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. If it had been twice in one issue, because it's one of those weird things of it seems sloppy in a way, like it's either sloppy and it, it's either sloppy or like super deliberate in a weird way. Oh, I, so, I thought it was super deliberate. 
to use weight what twice yes and yet somehow not to talk not in any way to mention a, a, um, a podcast that stalks him obsessively that people that he knows and works with listen to oh god <laughs> now I, uh, dude I'm like, just trying to say like I, I would play actually... the false dilemma game like go ahead like which option is it do you want to get even weirder Sure. I was actually freaked out when the preview for the issue first came out because uh-huh. of the letters that the uh, the T drop on. Uh, he starts off with an anagram of my name, or he starts off with the first four letters of my name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, and that freaked me out for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. See, I know. Just be a little bit honest here, Graham. That's all I'm asking. You're like. <laughs> I didn't know. If you just no, said no, I didn't no, notice that said, because I, I was I too wouldn't. busy worrying that he was spelling out my name, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I feel you." But instead, you were like, "What? No, you're no, but being crazy." No, I didn't say you're being crazy. I just said I don't think I would have noticed what it was, as an as a call out for the podcast if someone hadn't suggested it. Right, because you were too busy noticing <laughs> my name, yeah. letters, <laughs> being a little coy there, Graham. Well, to be fair, when I first saw that was during the whole Steve Wacker thing, and I was just paranoid that the entire comic did the against me, so... Exactly. <laughs> so that. that was the point where I thought everyone hated me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm... So I'm, what did he do? I'm, what's that? Maybe maybe, maybe it's they, a call out to us. Maybe, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those great it things where I'm just awesome like... if it is. <laughs> Actually, yes. I mean... Uh, uh, it, it's, we'll, it's we'll really never, fun nope. and playful. We'll never know. Exactly. And it's better. I would prefer it that way. I mean, it was sort of, I, I found it a little bit exasperating. I actually loved, and I don't think that this was in any way specifically about us, but the scene in um, in the second issue of, of this recent series of Casanova, where he spins the Casanova Newman Zeno thing on its head by by turn, turning Newman Zeno into the comic book writer Casanova. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought I loved that. Oh, I thought I thought that was actually. spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and I especially the part was... where he starts sh- shooting people and is like fuck no they're going to think it means something. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was I loved that. I can't tell you how much I love that line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just a, an absolutely stellar sequence. So yeah, so, yeah, the Defenders, you know, I mean, it was, I tried not to get my hopes up super high, but, uh, like, you know, you know, they, and they can't all be winners. I just, boy, I do wish that it was, if it was a dollar cheaper, I would be a little less. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing, like, I spent $3.99 digitally for it, mm-hmm. and I kind of have a sense of, huh, I don't know, it just gets back to my digital for me, $3.99 just seems a lot. You know, it's funny. I actually have a lot of trouble, which is hilarious, on the tail end of the, my last episode's disclosures to you. I do have trouble with with three ninety nine for a comic, two ninety nine, eh, one ninety nine. I'm kind of crazy, and ninety nine cents, I'm like a sailor on shore leave. You know. No, but ninety nine cents just seems so uh, not even cheap. Well, I guess it does seem cheap. It seems so amazingly reasonable, but also because of the way that the prices are structured. It also seems really weirdly temporary. There's a sense of like I'm interested in that, but maybe it's going to go up in price as you get it now. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it it definitely is the the low pricing. Although you know, and this is going to lead to a nice little segue, I think, because um, we ended up. It seems like if Blog at Newsarama is to be uh, believed, on very different sides of the dark horse pricing 
price war snafu thing um because you it sounds like you were actually disappointed that they ended up turning around and going oh no 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 we're not we're not going to be pricing our oh i i, I really was and i also was incredibly amused that they fucked up that announcement as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i thought that I mean the fact that they were like it's going to be the same price as our print two ninety nine and no one was like you do know our print books are three fifty right <laughs> it's exactly. Which I thought was hilarious um, <laughs> I really was disappointed I I, I wasn't surprised mm-hmm. but I was disappointed um, in part because Archie's been offering them for a dollar less for a year now on date and no one said boo and it's partially partially because. No one buys Archie comics in uh, right, exactly. the direct totally market. Totally fair. Well, but I think that's totally fair, and that's why no one said boo. You know, I mean, I don't think that that's, you know, it's you can't, I, you just kind of can't equate them. You know, and my thing is, I was like, you know, it doesn't have to be like let's experiment with like seven to ten days. You know, because that's that's usually the life of a book. Uh, on the comic book store rack. Sure, but they're not even doing that. They're they're doing the same structure as Mar- as DC. They're right, doing four weeks in Andy Laura. Right, which I you know I think I'm fine. I'm okay with. That's what I'm saying. It's like if they want to do like ten days and then lower it, that's awesome. But if you're gonna like break out your product at a lower price than uh than than what it's priced at in the stores, and your percentage of the direct market is like over two percent. I'm I'm I I was I had my boycotting boots on. Let's put it that way. So really? I'm, yeah. Oh yeah. I said on Twitter I was going to boycott them, uh, and uh, I I would have too. Well, first of all, how many Dark Horse books do you actually buy? Uh, well, here's the thing. I buy it's, a ton of collections. Say, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 It's no, really no. easy to boycott if you don't buy anything. Right. No. I know, and that's why I felt pretty comfortable like saying like I'm going to boycott. But I mean, I really. But I do know, like, uh, that, that, for example, <laughs> looking at the two of us, I know that I've spent more money at the Dark Horse Digital Store than I have. It, it's oh, and, and I've, I've spent, spent nothing at the Dark Horse Digital Store? Right. I, See, I, so, I, I mean, think yeah. you definitely have. Here's a, yeah. <laughs> here's a question, though. In this sort of situation, or for that matter, the Marvel situation, sure. is it better to boycott the publisher altogether, or is it better to support them in print? Uh... Well, actually, that's a good question. When I did say boycott, I did mean boycott them digitally. I didn't get a chance to go much farther than that, frankly, because... Because then they turn around and they're like, oops! I mean, like, yeah, they don't care about me, but they did care, actually, about their, their, their retailers. But, yeah, no, I I do mean digital. Like, I would support... I would continue... Like, if, if DC did something dumb, um, I would let them know that I was wouldn't be supporting their digital initiatives and I would be you know continuing to support my retailer um, you know up to a point I guess yeah because that, that's what I keep thinking about when people talk about boycotting a company altogether mm-hmm. to protest a, a decision mm-hmm. especially the digital decisions because right. I feel that you're really hurting the retailer the publisher which is your intent and, and the creator and for example right. if someone was like you know I'm pissed at Dark Horse for doing this I'm going to boycott them all together if that stopped something like Finder coming out mm-hmm. I'd be like no 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 oh, I agree oh, yeah. oh fuck mm-hmm. you I, I feel that it's almost better and I, I maybe better is the wrong word mm-hmm. 
been more targeted to just buy things in print instead. Right. And well, and do I, I should be clear. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for actually making me clarify this. But yeah, I am talking about I would not be boycotting the print editions. I would be boycotting shopping at their digital store. Which is something that, like, again, as a consumer, now I, I don't, I don't buy day and date stuff for Dark Horse, and I don't buy most of the the stuff that Dark Horse, you know, is selling. But I mean, in terms of the things that I've bought, you know, the 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 digital volumes that I've continued to buy, they they can continue to make a good chunk of money from me, I think. So, but again, we're in this weird zone of like, how much am I? I mean, th- I'm I'm really someone who doesn't really care too much about digital day and date. I I'm very lucky. I've got a comic book store, you know, in my city. I've got a comic book store in my city where I actually get a discount because I work there. Like I'm I'm in a very I'm well aware that I'm kind of in in a very privileged position, um, you know. Uh, and and honestly, I'm very interested. I do want you know I I do. I think if digital is done right, again, it's that idea of like, yeah, it can be the new newsstand. I really can't believe that. But I also believe that there are, I'm not sure, I mean, I'm sure you've seen Hibbs's piece over on the Savage Critic. I'm really not sure if um, I believe that people who are saying that, that day and date is a necessity to bring people in. Um, to the marketplace, I'm not really sure that I buy that. No, I, I have, I have issues with that thinking as well because if they're mm-hmm. not part of the market already they don't know what's day, what day and date mm-hmm. do you know what exactly. I mean? Like, it feels like mm-hmm. this entirely fictitious thing I think day and yeah. date is really good for people who are then going to become who are going to come in through digital and then become hardcore fans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I think if you're really just talking about newcomers who aren't going to become part of fandom as such, mm-hmm. I don't think day and date really needs anything Right. yeah 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 yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I honestly think that I do think that, uh, in theory, I think that a, a lapsed reader, and again, I, I don't know, but I know speaking for myself, like it's like if Marvel spent more time putting the issues that I read in my heyday and pricing them appropriately, I would be handing them huge chunks of money, you know all the time and the fact that they're continuing to emphasize the current market it's and and that which i think is kind of fascinating to me like i really part of me is is surprised that they think that you know they're going to sell more copies of i don't know ultimate comics number four i guess than you know than I don't know Jim Lee's X Men number one at ninety nine cents, you know. Well, I I think you're then getting into the how do we maximize profits, and if you sure. can if you can put out the new material and sell the old material in incredibly expensive formats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I mean Marvel's collections are pricey. Oh, they're super pricey. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But if you create a digital reader and then you're like, hey, you probably want to read about the first appearance of this character, it's available in this book, which is $35. Right. And it's a book. And mm-hmm. you can't get it digitally. Right. Then, you know what I mean? There's 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 reasons for them not to cannibalize their, their 
catalog, I guess. I'm not sure if they're good reasons. <laughs> right. Um but I I could well, I mean we could both spend, you know, seven podcasts complaining about Marvel's current business practices. Oh yes, and 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 should we? Should we? It's, it's beautiful. I'm loving this. Do, do Let's want, talk, about talk about X-Men about, versus yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Avengers exactly. versus X-Men. Thanks very oh, much. Sorry. You put right. the movie franchise first, and if you have X-Men versus Avengers, then you're talking about the 1987 series. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm telling you, were you as stunningly underwhelmed by that announcement as I was? And I was expecting it to be nothing. Right. And there was something right. about that was, was even worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. Actually, you know, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't expecting much because, of course, my whole thing is like, ah, I'm not going to follow it. Like I said, and I wish I had opened it, let's see if I, how quickly I can actually find it. Um, I was really stunned by the USA Today piece slash pieces that I read. Like, were there multiple that, pieces? The, the 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 announcement piece I guess there was the the amazing I don't understand my browser I know I was looking at it on this browser and yet it's like USA Today you mean that article about the woman being mauled by a chimp like you're you're um, you're looking for Marvel Comics Pits Avengers versus X Men in 2012 uh, that and also the amazing like um, is heating up social media. Article. Oh, like, I yeah, I, I yeah, I did see that one, and I was it was funny. I saw that one linked somewhere. I saw it as a headline first, and I was like, oh, I read about social media a lot for Techland. I should go and see this, and it was pretty much like, so they're using Google Plus. <laughs> I was like, really? That's funny. That's how you define heating up social media? Have you it's ever have you ever it? heard of social media before? <laughs> I know it is awesome. Like I really, I really had to give them credit. I'm like, wow, you totally psyched me out. Like I was like, huh, what exactly are they saying here? And it really was like. So anyway, as we were saying back when uh, in the other article, we really wanted, like I loved, and this is how I referred to it on Twitter. Like every creator got their little guitar solo. That was like the awesomest. It was. You know what I mean? Wait, did they though? Because I don't think Brubaker's mentioned it. I don't think he's mentioned at all in the first piece. Uh, oh yeah, see, this he, is... he, Brubaker and Jonathan Aitman get get named and don't get quotes. Yeah, but the second piece is the one where everyone gets to say something. Oh really? It's pretty awesome. Oh, that's oh a... yeah, 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 yeah. They all step up and they're like, "What if I melted your face by saying this?" Weedily, 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 and it is just awesome. It really is like it's. I I just I I love it so much. It's it's really. It's kind of great because it's, you get the feeling that they were like, hey, people like that 52 thing where like DC got all their big name writers together and did this weekly series. What if we got all of our big name writers together and do a bi-weekly series that's the same plot as we've done for all of our events for the last few <laughs> years? <laughs> uh, did, you, did you see the thing I said on, on Userama and the response I got from Kyle Fegley about this? Uh, no. So I said on Userama, I'm really suspicious that Avengers vs. X-Men is not going to feature the arrival of Phoenix. I think mm-hmm. it's a prelude to another event that happens immediately afterwards, which is mm-hmm. Phoenix arriving on Earth. Because all of the hype so far has been, they're very upset and worried that maybe Hope's going to be the person who gets Phoenix Force, as opposed to, and then the Phoenix arrives. Right. Well, it does say it's coming, not it's here. Yeah, okay? So I say this, right. and Kyle from CBR gets really upset. <laughs> He's like, I can't believe you believe this. 
And it's kind of like, why are you saying that? It's Marvel. Mm-hmm. In what world does people not believe that Marvel would do an event to launch an event? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I totally... But I, I, I swear to God, I'm convinced that this is a 12-issue lead-in to another event, which will right. probably be another 12 issues over six yep. months. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I absolutely, I totally think that's the case. And I'm sure, God bless him, I'm sure Kyle is like, oh, come on, Graham, so that he can, you know, the next time that he, like, has his little ring-a-ding with, you know, Axel Alonso, he's like, ah, you can see, I totally tried to shut that down, you know? I, I just, I was just, I mean, I, I, I did a moment of, like, why are you, like, why are you even being that emphatic about this as opposed to, I think you're wrong. But I, I can't believe you believe this, which is just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, have you ever met me? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It is it is shocking since you are known for your uncynical, wide-open take on uh, exactly, press but, releases yeah, and what I, creators I love say. Press releases. Um, yeah, I, but Avengers vs. X-Men, seriously, it's, I, I had to stop myself just so I didn't want to get in trouble on Twitter again yesterday, um, just from making Civil War 2 jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did schism harder, but that—that's about it. Schism harder. That would be awesome. Uh, but also, see, uh, have you seen in the have you, invasion? Have you seen in the hype for this that um, Cyclops and Wolverine's X Men are going to be teaming up for the first time since Schism, which I'd like to point out finished a month ago. I was about to say, by the time that issue comes out, like two weeks would have passed in like yeah, Mar- in Marvel time. They'll be like, we yeah. all right, okay, we're getting back together, Slim. That's actually the music. Cops in Hawaii solving crime. Uh, yeah, no, I boy, boy, a boy, it'll. Um, I do love the hype, though. I love um, seeing Marvel describe it as first of all, the Avengers X Men is the two most popular franchises in comics history. You, can, I can almost see it, but I'm pretty sure that Batman's going to completely turn to Avengers in the long term. Uh, I do like that um, the it's written by the top selling authors in the comic book industry today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that it's the biggest event of the year, and the biggest yes. also it's the biggest event in comics history. So it's not just the year in comics history. And it's like, how can you even say that with a straight face this year? Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally know what you mean. And and of course the answer is because we got to, <laughs> you know, like again, I just have this thing of like, I just see everyone just like being like in this like kind of like, <laughs> you know, the the scenes where the hostages, it's just it's all hostage situations <laughs> for me. I mean, it just it is. I, I you're beginning to very, very definitely bring me around to that. But then, then I see them say things like, um, where is it? Avengers vs. X-Men brings together the most powerful forces in comics for a superhero war like you've never seen before and will never see again. In, this, in your lifetime, people, you've had yeah. Civil War and Schism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly I, the same plot as this. We've brought together the biggest writers, biggest artists, and biggest characters for the biggest story we've ever told. Yeah. I actually do love how resigned Brubaker's little power quote is. Like everyone else's power I, quote. I, I am going to find this now. I really am. Okay. Well, I should I should say that I'm wrong. Like there is the 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 critical mass on social media. Let me read you some of the quotes that are awesome there. Okay. Uh, writer Matt Fraction though sees it more as a World Series throwdown between the Yankees and the Chicago Cubs. The Avengers is the most storied franchise in baseball versus the perennial underdog that commands ferocious loyalty. 
it's crazy to be part of something this ridiculously hugungous. He used the phrase. Oh, so, yes, and that was where was that? That was quoted somewhere as "there's only one word that can be used to describe this." <laughs> uh, let's see. Aaron's quote is: uh, "It's interesting to see each guy bringing his best to the table. You don't want to be the weak weak link who lets the team down. Each issue, each guy's, uh, every guy's trying to throw down the gauntlet and one up the guy." who came before him and then he's got another thing about the actual um the actual story yeah towards the end of the story that he was kind of like uh right Uh, Cyclops has been on a pre-militant stance for a while because of humanity's hatred for mutants Aaron says and part of that is training hope for the day when the phoenix may come to her as his host if suddenly he's got Captain America and the Avengers butting their heads into what he considers X-Men's business he's not necessarily going to take kindly to that um, so, and, and Brubaker is like, Brubaker's like quote in the other, oh, and Brubaker immediately follows that up with some sort of thing about Captain America, like, how do you be the good guy while also getting into basically a war with a whole race of people? That's not bad. It's better than his other thing, which was, his quote was, it's one of those legendary ideas. What if the Avengers fought the X-Men? It doesn't get much easier to describe than that. I... <laughs> You know what I mean? That, that like, is like, do I really have to do this? Do, do, I, do some, I have to do it? Somebody's really already burnt out. Like, it doesn't get easier to describe. It's, kind, front it's kind of hilarious that you say that after you've had Jason Aaron be like, you don't want to be the guy who lets the weak link to let the team down. And then it's like, well, on the interview front, that weak link has been identified. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's not bringing his bullshits to the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, I don't know, you know, now that you mention it, maybe, because um, there's Bendis in here, but uh, maybe you're right. Maybe there's not a Hickman quote. I'll have to see here. No, Hickman is there, and I'm scrolling down. Yeah. But, but uh, Hickman's quote is spectacular. Oh, is it? Where is it? Uh, he's talking about the split allegiances between those who are both Avengers and X-Men, including Beast, Storm, and the fan-favorite Claude anti-hero Wolverine, who, like Cyclops, had a strong emotional connection to Jean Grey, and here's the Hickman quote, and he loves beer, which is what I latched onto as a fellow connoisseur of the brew. <laughs> That's actually good. Well done. He's he's there with Brubaker. He's he, he and Brubaker are both like, we're enjoying writing the story. We don't want to do this absurd hyperbole. We're, yeah, we're, we're just, not very we're, good at the hype. Yeah, we're just, mm-hmm. uh, hey, Brubaker's great at the hype. If you've not seen him on Twitter today talking up... Um, the criminal collection set? Uh, I have not. Brubaker has been working social media. He's been working social media like USA Today thinks Marvel has been. Oh, yeah. No, he has been. Well, just leading up to this week where he's like, hey, criminal coming out this week. I actually loved when Mark Wade was like, yes, hey, I, Daredevil coming out this I week. I loved that. He was like, no, it's not. No, sorry, I pulled some strings. Definitely pick up criminal coming out this week. I was like, God love you. I, I really thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and then today um, he went on a rampage against digital media, not unlike uh, Hibbs's rampage. Actually, both both he and Hibbs had, had very similar points, uh, which I I think it's fair to say completely disagree with. But right, go then. Huh, that's great. I will have to catch up and, and read those. Yeah, because... Brubaker's on a, on been on a tear lately. He's been really good. Oh, that's fabulous. I think I think that's. Um... I, I I think it, I think what we're seeing from the um, 
the hype so far for Avengers vs. X-Men, which, let's not forget, is six months away. No, yeah, four, four months away. Sorry, four months away. It's happening in oh, April. Jesus, really? Oh, my God, that is so soon. Uh, it's going to be such a... Uh... No, but can you not just imagine? Like, this is the start of the hype now. We are going to be sick of this comic by the time it arrives. I, I kind of hope what they do is they actually take a vacation from it and then just come back to it and just try, like, leafing out. Well, you think about it, we're definitely going to get hype between now and the end of the year when mm-hmm. the first solicit comes. But that's, right. that's a solicit for the preview issue. So we're going to have another month of hype before the first solicit for the Jesus. actual issue comes. Really? Wow. That is, that is, that's kind of painful. Um... Uh, yeah, hey, uh, so I'm not sure whether to, yeah, to continue to talk about how terrifying and exhausting that is, or talk about the, the other shoe that dropped, which I think is kind of amazing, uh, Bendis and Avengers. That's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, and I have the strangest feeling it's been misreported. <laughs> Ooh, see, here we go. Let, hit, well, I, I, I have to go back and read this. But I'm okay. fairly sure that Bendis says that he's wrapping up Avengers and New Avengers, but not that he's leaving the franchise. I think he actually says something like, I'm wrapping up Avengers and New Avengers, and the first arc of Assembled will be done at the same time. Oh. Which means he's not leaving them, he's just leaving two books. Okay, and what, creating a third or maybe... Well, uh, uh, Avengers Assembled is going to be his third. Wow. He launches his third ongoing Avengers book in May. Jeez, I thought he was leaving the franchise altogether. No wonder why I was so uh, like, wow, this is an amazing if, if thing. He, if he's leaving, then that's a really big deal. And sure, sure, sure. I also have no idea what Marvel's going to do without him there. Well, yeah, which is the kind of the area that I thought would be fun to quarterback. Because I kind of had that thing when I was talking about it with Hibbs was a little bit of the like, wow, kind of you know, in my case, shoe finally, but there is kind of this thing of like, no, I have no idea who they would follow him with, really. I, I, I think it's almost definite that it's going to be one of the architects. Mm-hmm. I mean, it won't be Brubaker. I think it would be Hickman if it would be anyone. Hickman's already doing Ultimates, though. Do you think he'd do two different versions of the Avengers? I think he might. I, don't know I, I, th- I thought it could be Fraction. Mm, oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know yeah maybe i mean certainly looking for yourself yeah is pretty pretty heavily adventure centric so um yeah i maybe i guess i don't know it just it's one of those things that is so big that i don't feel like i've got my head around it yet if he is actually Mm -hmm. in the franchise because i think i think once he does no matter Mm -hmm. who takes it over marvel are going to have to get used to the franchise falling well, but the, I mean, I mean, the franchise, Avenger franchise, well, I mean, this is, the, and this was kind of the thing that I was talking with Hibbs is like, hasn't all of Marvel's stuff kind of cooled? Like, I mean, Bendis it, too? Well, like he, yeah, but he, okay, here, here's the thing though. Mm-hmm. Marvel has actually had a reasonably good year mm-hmm. and it just looks terrible against the DCs. Like fear itself sales went up every issue. Right. Which is really, like, it's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first it went down and then back up every issue, right? But when you count in reorders, it went up steadily every issue. Oh, did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, uh, which, is, yeah. which is kind of a big deal. No, that is. I totally, totally admit. I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't large growth, I don't think, but 
but that's, no, that's a good it point. Falling. <laughs> no, like agreed. Falling stars. True. True. Um, Although, didn't Flashpoint go up in sales? I want to say Flashpoint went down. Maybe not a lot. I thought when you counted in reorders again, that was one that went up. But maybe I'm wrong. I, you're probably right. It probably did go down. Um, but it, like Marvel, Marvel looks much worse because DC is doing so well. Mm. Don't get wrong. Marvel has also not had a great year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and things have definitely underperformed. I think the X Men books are all underperforming. I just assume I just chalk it up to exhaustion. I just chalk it up to like there's no real the, any any trick to get anyone excited about anything. Marvel has done like five or six times on everything, so yeah. I just don't. I, that's my thing. Is is like when I was talking with Hibbs about it yesterday, he was kind of like you know, oh yeah, you know, Marvel made this thing of like they really pushed like you know. I think the example you made of like Nick Spencer, like they tried to make Spencer a name or treat him like a name when he really wasn't in the marketplace. Like he was an up and comer and he should have had more time yeah, and, kind of and doing it, up it and coming blew stuff. up in their faces. Yeah, it really did. But, you know, but my point was is that like I kind of feel like, and I don't, I don't even mean this in like a bad way. I just feel like everyone is kind of that way. I don't feel like there's no there's no person that you can bring in uh, on, I think, any title really now that could move the needle in an appreciable way unless they have, you know, essentially left comics. Yeah, know, unless, unless it's Joss Whedon again. No, I was, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I think Marvel's right. exhausted its talent base in terms mm-hmm. of they have no big names anymore, right? Like they're like no, because even their big names aren't don't seem like big names anymore because they're well. So that's what I mean. Present, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. I mean that's it. Like even if you look at even people who I think are are incredibly still well regarded in the industry or a, in aspects of what they do. Like I mean, like uh, well, I mean Ennis isn't is not a superhero man. So I don't think, I think if you announced him on Avengers, it would do nothing. But, you know, Ellis or Ennis, even guys who sell, only sell kind of at a, at certain numbers now, I think. There's very few dudes who, like, move the dial. And I think even, like, I'm fascinated by the idea that Mark Miller can sell 60,000 of kick-ass to, but is not actually going to sell that much more if he were to take over the Avengers or the Fantastic Four. Well, no, it probably would. I think that's when you get the, the big bump. I think I think Mark Miller is one of the few people who could shift the needle. I thought so before the Fantastic Four flop. Now I don't know. Yeah, it's true, but I, I almost wanted to write off Fantastic Four as this weird thing that no one can really get it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Hickman did, but Hickman kind of did, yeah, by pretty by much... Killing, by killing one of the characters and getting in sure. USA Today. Yeah, 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 by, by killing one of the characters and going with the USA Today thing and also, like, basically trying to cover every possible base that you could cover, you know? I, I, I'm looking at the numbers from October. Uh, I'm looking at Paul O'Brien's numbers. And first of all, Fear's Health did actually go down and then go back up. You're totally right. Um, but Avengers, in the last year, has lost 19% of its sales... Yeah, New Avengers has lost twenty four percent, which is holy crap, big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's horrendous. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I say, Uncanny X-Men, I think, is actually done reasonably well. But for example, Amazing Spider-Man's up. Mm-hmm. 2%, mm-hmm. 2%, but still up. Uh, oh, that's and, that's remarkable, actually. Yeah, and Uncanny X-Men's only 3.3% down. No, they're, they're incredibly stable. On the other hand, both of those titles didn't... Had, had big events going on during this time. Well, actually, I was going to say, didn't have far to fall. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like Bendis is by by essentially yeah I mean like you said you know Bendis's Avengers was tied into every event for how many years? No, you know, yeah, so through all of them. But I mean, like Uncanny X Force is down forty seven percent. Oh, in a no. year. Um, X Force. Fantastic Four is up seven point five percent, but down thirty three percent in the last six months. Mm. Mm. Uh, let's see, Ultimate Comics X Men. Wait, Uncanny X Force. It's not even. Has it even cracked twelve issues? I yeah, it's, it it's it's on like nineteen. Uh, I, I it's on sixteen it. apparently in October, issue wow. sixteen. Okay. Um, let's see, Thor is only down thirteen percent. That's surprising, isn't it? It's good for them. It's down forty six percent last six months. Um, yeah, no, that's kind of horrible. Um, let's see, Secret Avengers is down thirty six percent in the last year. X Men yeah. is down thirty five percent. I mean, they're all falling. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and that's kind of what I'm saying. And a lot of those are like are the flagships, are flagships, and and you know they're they're heavy hitter names too. Like those, most of those titles that you rattled off, those are like they're they're really big names. You know? Yeah. So it's it's just it doesn't it doesn't paint a good picture. I don't know. I just feel that they're I feel like Marvel's failure looks worse compared to DC's success, if that makes sense. I feel that DC DC is completely screwing the bigger picture right now because they're just having a freaky, freaky year. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. No no no. I'd like to think that I'm just sort of gauging Marvel on its just on its own grounds what it used to sell and what it used to do I just think that there is there's a level of of, of burnout that's set in like they but at the same time like know. what can Marvel do to shift the needle at this point because I mean well, I don't Avengers vs. X-Men feels feels like they're giving up hmm. did you get that as well or was it just me I really got a sense of this is your big idea mm-hmm. this, is, this is the best you can do well, no, I don't. I mean, that that is one way to look at it. I think the other way is that, in in theory, uh, a variety of people actually listen to what people on various commentators on the internet were saying, which is like, Fear itself did not have an easy to digest story hook. You know, this one has a very easy. It has an easy civilian story hook, like. Here's all our big guys fighting all of our big guys. And then underneath it is the big heavy continuity hook of, yeah, we're bringing back, you know, Phoenix and we're bringing back Scarlet Witch and everyone is flipping the fuck out. You know, I I honestly think that, you know, there it, it could be defeat or it could be that they were actually like, OK, everyone was telling us that we were being a, that, that the through line on fear itself wasn't. It was it was a hard hook to sell. This hook is so easy; it's right in the fucking title, you know. And I don't, I honestly, I think these guys are all fighting. I think they're all like, yeah, we're gonna do this. I mean, there's a way in which you know, doing like 
Civil War evil woman boogaloo is not awesome, but you know, <laughs> but I think that they honestly think that they're like going to be doing it, you know? I mean, I really think that they're like, yeah, we we're going to bring the shit out of this, but it seems um I just I don't necessarily know a if the marketplace is going to care, and I'm really scared about what the event after the event is because that's the part that creeps me out. That's like all of this stuff is like oh, okay I can see sort of I can see why you're doing it I can even see why you're doing it this way. What I'm worried about is what comes next because there's got to be something that comes next, you know. Um, and and let's face it, there's a ton of like if this is the fight because. Phoenix is coming, and then you get the series where Phoenix is here, and then you get, you know, that if the idea is the Phoenix is a force of renewal... No, I was thinking, that's when you get the reboot, right? That's when you get the reboot, right? So you've got your, you've got your year of events that is all going to lead, quote-unquote, organically to the Phoenix recreating the Marvel Universe, and then you get your relaunches of everyone and everything and it's essentially a hey we've got a year long ramp we've got a year long quote unquote flashpoint but none of it's going to be an alternate reality there's not going to be 23 titles everything's going to be building to a point you know and you're you know and when you look back at the end of this year you're going to wish that you've been buying us for nine months because it's all building to this point um, I, I love your optimism there's not going to be 23 titles. <laughs> yeah, right. If they do a year-long flashpoint, oh, there's going to be more than 23 titles. Well, I, my point, my my point being that this is the this is sort of the year-long flashpoint. I don't think that it's going to be alternate universe stuff, but I do think that it is going. No, I, to I, be like, I, you I know see. What I, mean? I, I I have been thinking that ever since they said three words that everyone will understand, just because I was like Marvel Universe Reborn. That's mm-hmm. which turns out to be completely wrong, but um. What what but, were the three words? Avengers versus X Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, part of me still, I almost feel like they can't do it because they've said they're not doing it so much. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they have said so many times, we are not going to do a reboot. That if they do a reboot, I almost right. feel like that's that's too much of an about turn. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel that's actually an admission of failure. Well, uh, you know, I think I think that the way they've got it pitched, it is going to be nine months to a year away before they break it, and they might start building things. Like they'll say, they'll be like, "Hey, we didn't intend to it. It was just the most organic thing possible," you know. I, well, I'm wondering if there's true. I'm wondering if there's a way to do a reboot without doing a reboot. If well, that is a good some question. weird way that they can be like, everyone's born again. But it's all still in continuity. Well, kind of like Flashpoint, you mean? Or yeah, but or yes, you... but no. Like, if there was actually somewhere where they can have their cake and eat it, where they can say all of this stuff actually happened and had to happen for this to be reborn. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like, where they managed to somehow say this is a third universe. Mm-hmm. That is directly impacted by all the books that you should buy from the second, from the first universe, but not related right. to the second ultimate universe. Hmm. And I don't know if there's a way to do that, but I think that's right. the only way they can get around saying we're not going to do a reboot if that is what they're planning. To somehow have a reboot that isn't a reboot. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they're right. Well, let's put it this way. What they could be doing is, is like, maybe their thing is, is just um, their idea of the reboot that isn't a reboot is everybody gets a new, like, there's a month of new number ones, you know? And it's everyone, it's like everything gets renumbered. Everything starts at number one the same month. Everything ties together and everything is designed like point one entry sales. The difference is, like you said, no reboot. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll see what happens. But that's that's like a long ways down the road. And I mean, and that's like we're talking like I mean, you know, we're we've well, no, we're we're talking into... a year from now. Yeah, start, I mean, if it's at least six months mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. starts with a prelude edition April and then series starts in May, then it won't mm-hmm. finish until November. And then yeah. there's another event after that, we're both thinking. Right. Yeah, that's that's personally my thinking is is that you know, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know that that's that's my theory is is this is this may be that and that's to me that's the best case scenario. I mean, really, you know, I I, we, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens because because there is if not, it's going to be like that's the closest thing that I can see this being something that's sort of rational that isn't like crazy crackhead fumes and frankly there could be a lot of crazy crackhead well, I, fumes I think we're going to get crazy crackhead with that idea I think we're going mm-hmm. to get crazy crackhead fumes because don't forget Bendis still has his Ultron takes over everything storyline right. which is still happening next year yeah yeah that that, that event is such a non-starter but it just it seems gonna but it seems ridiculous to run that story at the same time as you're doing Avengers vs. X-Men do you know what I mean? It's like when they had Spider Island and Fear Itself and whatever the third event was. Schism right. happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, Wait, what was it besides Spider Island and Schism? Uh, Fear Itself. Oh, right. Fear Itself, right. Yeah. I and, guess that and, was happening. At the same and time. it's like, you can't have three massive epic events happening in your line simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, you've got to, you can't promote all three to an equal amount so you are picking favorites and in picking favorites you're hurting the one that you're not picking right well that is that is certainly one way to look at it Graham that is aka the rational way but I don't really think rationality has got much going on there like I I seriously think there's a let's make the best of a bad situation but that's still not going to be mistaken for rationality anytime soon I will say this though I do think that when Ben just leaves whatever Avengers books he's leaving, I think they'll be cancelled, and I'm not sure they're going to be, get replaced immediately. Well, you know, it's interesting, because depending on when the timing is... Uh, it could be right at the end of Avengers vs. X-Men. Right. Right, right, right. Which could be a new... I mean, who knows? I honestly... I can't I can't keep track of that. Like, to, to me, the best indicator of when or what that happens is... Yes, if he wraps those things up, does he say when he's when he's wrapping those up? I I don't know if he, if he, he doesn't game. he doesn't commit to a date, but he says something like it's when the first storyline from Avengers Assemble is going to be wrapping up, and that launches in like May. Wow. Yeah. So, so I mean, we are looking like a year right. from now again. Sure. Sure. Right. So well, yeah. I think whatever is the. I think he will probably like three to six months after the Avengers movie is out. Yeah, I can see him. I can see him leaving at that point. You know, 
It's just it's, yeah. It's going to be the safest point to, in a way, to leave. Oh yeah, yeah. It's never going to get better than that. It's also never yeah. going to get better than that. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think if I were him, I'd want to stay stay around for that. Just, just to see if you can get a bump, or see if you can, you know, how much it moves the dial, or who you can bring in. But, mm. but he'll get that because the the Avengers Assemble is launching at the same month the movie. Mm, right. Okay. Right. So see, there you go. You know. So he gets that first storyline. Right. He gets least. that first storyline for Avengers Assemble. He's got, you know, at the same time he'll have his hands in, you know, two other Avengers books. And, you know, again, there's that idea of like, yeah, it'll all be perfect. And then, you know, the, mo- the movie will be over and he will be jumping off. His trade paperbacks will be hitting the same time the DVD does. And he's out. You know. School comics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is actually the first podcast where I actually feel like some like two dudes sitting out at the racetrack like trying to <laughs> handicap the horses you know it's like that one clearly has colic uh, don't they all have colic Jeff don't they all uh, so other comics do we have other comics you haven't read Action Comics number 40 I haven't uh, I mean came with digitally but I'm gonna buy it in print and I just haven't had a chance to go to the store sure well I have to say I dug it and I dug OMAC number 4 OMAC number four was a step up from number three for me. It's, it had, it's the Star Trek thing. Uh, yeah, maybe. Did we not help with the even numbers? Or, yeah, yeah, but see... Or did you not? No, because it was the other one. You, you preferred the odd numbers before, because you were doing reverse Star Trek. Uh, yeah, it was reverse Star Trek. I thought one... Wait, now I'm confused. Was it OMAC <laughs> that I had the reverse Star Trek on, or was it something else? I can't think what it would have been something else. I, I can't think of any other books that you really liked issues and then hated the next issues. Well, see, because I liked the first two issues of Mac and then didn't like three. Maybe it was Batman. Maybe it was it Scott Snyder's Batman, where I was like, one and three were good, two was blah. I don't know. In any of it. Uh, <laughs> Spaceman know. number two that I liked, and I have to give it up to uh, DC and Vertigo. Uh, I bought the $1 issue, and when I saw the second issue at two ninety nine, I snapped it up. And, um, God, I, again, I, 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 I've liked it more than I've liked stuff from Azzarello in a long time. And Eduardo Rizzo, who's fantastic, but since he usually works at with Azzarello, that's kind of a given. Um, I dug it. Um, Daredevil issue six, that came out this week, and you haven't read it. Uh, issue um, six? I wanna, Is that the, the one with Bruiser? Yeah, Daredevil versus Bruiser. Yeah, that, I, I read that, and that was last week, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, then what was the book that came out this week that, that Wade was hyping? Oh, hey, it was... Um, uh, irredeemable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, Daredevil versus Bruiser. Uh, so, you read that last week. What do you think? I really liked it. I actually haven't managed to pick up an issue of Daredevil since issue two, but um, I really liked issue six. Oh, good. <laughs> like, I, I have no idea what happened three, four, five. I really liked issue six. I just love the tone Wade has with Daredevil. I'm Marcus Martin. Yes. You can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, you know, it's actually a shame for me because I thought that issue six was the most was the most meh issue of the run which is but on the other hand was like enjoyable and good like I I didn't think it was like fabuloso but this is the thing I found fascinating do you remember when um, one of the commenters on Savage Creek was sort of talking about and I, I brought it up on the last podcast that idea that like 
sort of like not every comic can be a winner yes. and we're too hard. Daredevil issue number six is was an issue that I did not think was a winner and I did not I did not mind one whit. Like that's one of those like I don't know if it's the two ninety nine thing or it's five issues of goodwill. But it was one of those things when I was reading Defenders number one, I'm like, am I being too hard on this book? Am I being too like is my am I overplaying my disappointment? Am I like downplaying the good stuff? Issue number six of Daredevil to me is like how you do an issue uh, uh, a you know well they can't all be winners issue in that it was really fucking good I really enjoyed it I didn't feel like my money was lost but I didn't put it down and was quite as in love with it as I was the first five issues say and that's perfectly okay like it's one of those books that is like you know like I, it has enough goodwill that you can have a misfire and I'm like okay I felt that way about Uncanny X-Force too when it was like ah Billy Tan mm. but you know it was it was alright Billy Tan ladies and gentlemen oh dear Oh dear! Oh dear! Frank. I I was reading Latverian Prometheus because I remembered the name of Gillen's uh, Thorcrate. Uh, that is Billy Tan art, and really Billy Tan. Oh, he's just—he's not horrible. Is the thing he's just not mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You can see why he gets jobs because you know he probably hits deadlines, and it's all very clear. But there's also nothing spectacular about his work. He's his generation's Frank Springer. He is Frank Springer. Although I, I Frank Springer. Did you, did you see, see the thing I, I put? Got a bit of. Yeah. You see the thing What's I put? You, did you see the thing I put in Newsarama today about Frank Springer? No. Frank, I'm reading old copies of Legion of Superheroes, right? Yes. And um, in the in the Baxter series, in the, the like the the 1980 series that Lewis wrote, they've got the like the DC version of Bulletin Bulletins in front cover, mm-hmm. inside front cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the stuff that Dick Giorgiano was it? Meanwhile or whatever that he wrote? it was, but then it got turned into Publishorial by Jeanette Kahn, and then it got turned oh. into like a real Bulletin Bulletins. Like, like you know what's okay. happening. And for two yeah. issues, it's like, and so Marv Wolfman and Frank Springer are working on Lethal Weapon, the comic. Yes, which that's never right. got mentioned again. I did see your little post on that, which is amazing. And so I emailed Marv Wolfman. I saw this, and I was like, what happened to this? Like, I have to know the story. And Marv Wolfman says, no joke, he's like, I don't even remember ever being tempted to do a Lethal <laughs> Web comic. <laughs> like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. Wow. Um... So I just wish, wish... Which is great because it actually says that he campaigned for the project. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> He's like, I have no idea. Wow. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I. Because seriously, how great would that have been? Frank Springer and Marv Wolfman doing a Lethal Weapon comic in like 1986 DC. That would have been tragic. There's, I, can, I honestly can't imagine it. There's so much about that I can't imagine. <laughs> See, I can sort of imagine it. That's the but worst can you part imagine having... by those people? Yeah, I mean, that's my problem, is I really can. And I imagine it being, honestly, I just, I sort of flash back to Marvel's Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation, or their any adaptation or you know what I mean like I'm like uh uh-uh. uh like I just I see it and I what I see is 
an absolutely the world's most static comic book, pretty much like every other one. Now, if they, what I want is the alternate history where Howard Chaykin ended up adapting Lethal Weapon 2. And oh, it, like 86? Yeah, that would have been spectacular. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Like, that would have been, like, that That would have done justice to the um, necessary insanity and testosterone of, uh, of Lethal Weapon 2. But it, 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 at least that, um, like, built in Bilton's page, really reads as if someone has never seen Lethal Weapon. They're like, it's, oh, yeah. it's a new film for Richard Donner, director of Superman, and you're like, it's not like Superman. It's yeah. just really, it's not that sort of film, really. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and yeah, ex- ah, the idea of turning it into an ongoing series. I mean, it would have been spectacular. It would have been like, do you remember when DC did V, the ongoing comic book? Uh, dude, I remember when like Marvel Comics did Logan's Run, the ongoing comic. Uh, that was, but that was good. Uh, it wasn't good. It was it was one <laughs> issue actually. They made it one issue into the exciting world beyond the film continues, and it really was. They're like, we have to go back to the city. <laughs> what did it actually last? More than one, one issue. Yeah. yeah, I think it was one issue with George Perez. Uh, did Perez stick around to do the art on that? I think he did. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and there's two. I think there was only one. Issue, uh, I remember around the same time that they also did Seeker 3000 that was Marvel trying to do a superhero version of Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember Oh, my that. friend, Logan Drum lots of seven issues. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The first six were the adaptation. Oh, of the okay. Movie. I thought you were saying the seventh that's was one like... issue in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, it was the one issue of the like, hey, we'll do, you know, the continuing adventures. But did you this see? Did you see the lineup? Tom Sutton and Klaus Janssen. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Tagline, the cops are taking over, Logan, starting with your death, Cathedral Prime. Yeah. Oh, I remember. And, dude, like I said, I had the issue. <laughs> um, it, was, it, it wasn't as bad as Man from Atlantis, the comic book. That was a mistake on so many. That I had Apparently, by the way, Logan Drawn um, started with new stories in issue six, so you get two issues. Of- oh, am I wrong on that? Huh, interesting. Okay. Also, um, a- according to Comic Book Database, which must be wrong, Logan right. issue six has been reprinted multiple times in the Annihilation Classic hardcover in Marvel Premier Classics in 2006. Yeah. Why? Right. It must be a backup, right? Yeah, the, the backup is a Thanos story. Oh, okay. I want to say by Scott Edelman um, that that was considered important and kind of a collectible, so that was that was why it um, that's why that backup has been re- reprinted so many times. Okay, okay, yeah, that was. I, I, I want to like, say there was a backup in the Penny Seven. I know, just like what? Wouldn't that be great? That would have been the best part of the Annihilation Wave ever. Um, the- anyway, so I, I'm sorry, we we were really going somewhere before. Um, uh, you know, I do want to say Billy Tan. Billy Tan. His his Batman and Robin stuff was not especially clear. That's a different that, time. That That's Philip Tan. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness, what a jerk I am. I was wondering if that was right. Hey, speaking of um, guys who I always get speaking wrong, Flash guns. issue three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speaking of Gams, um, did you did you see the third issue of the Flash? I did. I. Um, what did you think? 
I haven't read it. I no joke. I bought a bunch of comics last week and managed to put like half of them aside and still haven't read them and realized that this morning. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I looked through it and it looks very pretty, but I haven't read it. You know, it it has once again. It's got two or three things where I'm like, I was not necessarily this pleased with the issue. There was a number of things where I was like, most decidedly meh on. Like I've never. I'm I'm really. This is. I cannot believe that we are three issues into a storyline that I care so little about. But oh my god, the storytelling tricks in it. Like his storytelling things. Like the last. Just the just the last two three pages of that story are astonishing. Like, I just hope he keeps going because he's got so much shit up his sleeve for how to how to tell flash stories that I'm I'm excited to see. Like he really was like, hmm, what else can we do? And he's he's playing with quietly approaches to time. Yeah, you know, at the at the end of that, and I was like, more, please, more. And you know, honestly, it's really weird. Like that was the cliffhanger for me. Like, oh my god. Where's he going to go with this style as opposed to the, oh, so-and-so is dead. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But panel layout, panel layout. <laughs> yeah, he's really not dead, dude. Um, no, I, but I felt that all along. Like, the, the overall arc is not interesting to me. All the incidental stuff, I love. I, I, could, I could care less about dude has managed to clothe himself a lot. Dude, wait till you read the third issue is all I can say. It's like you were like, I could not be more bored by this. And then issue three. So just wait. <laughs> really? So I could be more bored by it? You really could. You really could. And he can also actually suck the life out of the incidental stuff, too. So it's, I mean, oh, really. Oh, I'm just oh good. About it Thanks. Project. Thanks for, for oh, making me sorry, what to read. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, I don't wait. need to give this away. But, uh, but you know, but, but, this, but some of the storytelling stuff, goddamn. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that that was worth the two ninety nine alone for for that. Also, interestingly enough, the issue of uh, Secret Avengers uh, again Warren Ellis with uh, Michael Lark breakdowns and uh, Stefano uh, Gadino and Brian Tias doing the finishes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wow, that's a good, good, good team. Yeah, it's a good team, and the thing is, it's it's. It's remarkably paced. It's just a um, a lovely paced under one. I mean, I don't know how to say this. Like when I say that, that actually makes it sound like the story actually delivered, and I don't think that it did. But again, sort of in the sim- very similar way from the Flash number three, it's like just watching the the storytelling chops. I mean, it's I don't know. You know, Warren Ellis his comics have slowly turned into prog rock. You know what I mean? They, that it's was like, always there, though. Let's, know, let's not fool ourselves that Warren Ellis was not always a prog rocker. Yeah, that, that I, you're absolutely right. But it's, but it's really it's it, it's the it's the absurd twenty minute bass solo version, totally like so totally. It's amazing. It's <laughs> it's a, it's a st- it's prog rock. It's a step away from jazz fusion Warren Ellis, which I don't think any of us want to see. So. Um, and then Wolverine issue 19, which uh, was really funny and um, clever uh, and enjoyable in a way that all the previous issues of the storyline kind of weren't, despite the fact they were also kind of funny. Like, this issue was just... This oh, issue was intentionally funny? No, the other issues were trying to be funny. Like, you know what it is? It's just 
um, it was like a three or four part storyline where Jason Aaron was like basically doing a literally it's like a big trouble in little China version of a Wolverine comic and um, this is when I go sold <laughs> exactly but but for whatever reason I just felt that um, that, that Ron Garney uh, didn't really didn't bring the didn't didn't bring it on this issue it actually got uh, it got brung close enough to that yeah it, it, it got semi brung you know <laughs> it sounds I, I, like a bad Burt Reynolds movie <laughs> semi brung last night Gay and I are, are looking between channels at like not even that late 11 11.30 um, and some channel USA maybe was showing the Dukes of Hazard movie oh my god which Gay yeah, and I, I, I Gay and I have never seen understandably um <laughs> And it's the start. Again, I end up hypnotized to it for like half an hour, going, this wow. is terrible. This is atrocious. This mm-hmm. is, uh, why are we watching this? But we could not right. put it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, totally just agree. your mention of Burt Reynolds made me think, yeah, Dukes of Hazzard is a modern Burt Reynolds movie. <sighs> yeah, I actually, I admit, I totally wanted to see that son of a bitch. I like saw it in, in the, in the mo- trailers in the movie theater, and I was like, ugh. You That's got to be on Netflix, surely. No, I don't think that it is. I'm, really? I'm always stunned by the shit that's not on Netflix now. Now that they've switched over to their streaming-only plan, you're like, oh, you know, like the last five things that I'm like, oh, surely they have this. They're like, we sure do on DVD. Start watching it now. You know, it's like, sign up for the plan. Like, I'm like, God damn you bastards. What do you have on Watch Instantly anyway? They're like, Phineas and Ferb the movie, duh. You know, so you too have been scrolling through what Netflix has all the time, all the time. Who like uh, that is Phineas and Ferb the movie. Come on, you know I know a lot of people who swear by Phineas and Ferb. I've I've never seen it, but I also know a lot of people who really like Phineas and Ferb. So yeah, exactly. Wow, there's so many Dukes of Hazard titles here. Let's see what let's see. What <laughs> okay, so, there's the original. Watch it on DVD. There's the movie, watch it on DVD. There's Dukes of Hazard, the beginning, unrated, watch it on DVD. And there's Dukes of Hazard, the reunion. Oh, I'm sorry, the Dukes of Hazard, colon, reunion, exclamation point, watch it on DVD. No, I think you said that wrong. I think it's the Dukes of Hazard, reunion. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Talking of Phineas Actually, and... Oh, sorry. I'm... Yes, Phineas and Ferb. No, no, no. no. Talking of Phineas and Ferb, someone who does like Phineas and Ferb is Chris Roberson. And one of the comics I got that isn't out yet is Memorial, um, his IDW title. Right. I like. Yeah. I solidly enjoyed it. Um, there's actually, I want to say it's an advertisement for it. There's not in this title, but elsewhere. Um, but there's a quote from, spectacular, a pool quote from Chris Roberson himself. I didn't know that like writers could do pool quotes for their own books, but I kind of love that he did. Because he's like, it's Sandman meets Doctor Who as done by Missy Aki. And I was like, nice. that sounds pretty good. And then I was like, it is. <laughs> He's wow. Totally right. That's what it is. That's um, that's a that's a lovely description. I I really liked it. I I it's it's a start. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of wish it was mm-hmm. twice the length. Um, I wasn't I wasn't the preview that I saw. I have to say I wasn't crazy about the art. I oh that's that's really interesting because one of the things I really like about this is the art. Um, oh, the art is very. I don't know, old fashioned maybe? There's something about the art that feels somewhat out of time. Mm, um, and uh, maybe the colouring is wrong for it as well. 
Mm. I've you know, for me, I'm very aware of coloring lately, but yeah, it, uh, I really like. You know, I have too. I have too. Um, because I think coloring really makes books now in a way that is like colorists, like those sons of bitches. Colorists are the new inkers, you know what yeah. I mean? And they are, and I think they're going to be, they're going to be bigger. I, I hope that they are. If there's any justice in the world, we will have quote unquote superstar colorists. Yeah. In the next I, 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 years. well, I, we kind of do. I mean, Dave Stewart's a superstar, Laura Martin's sure, superstar. Sure. Absolutely. But it, uh-huh. it's yeah. like, it was the, um, Legion, Matt Hollingsworth. Yeah. It was Legion of Secret, Legion Secret Origins issue two that I was reading last week. And there's just a page where everything's colored and it has the same texture. Everything. The ground, the clothes, the skin, and I was just like, "This is all of it is glossy," and I was like, "This is completely distracting me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is bad." I, and by the time we get to the end of of, and I think she was really my first sort of superstar colorist, but by the time we get to, got to the end of Fear itself, I was just like, "Like Laura Martin, you are amazing." I thought she did amazing work on that book. She's she's just great in general. Her colors are Yeah, she's are great in general, really but I great. really do think some of the stuff that she was doing. I don't think I don't think um I don't think Stuart Eminent's stuff would have looked half so good in those final issues if it hadn't been for her, frankly. There's stuff that she pulls off that's entirely due to like her her color sense in terms of like leading the eye and, and giving a tone to the to the page. Interesting. I'll have to go back and look. Yes. I remember. I mean, I remember thinking that it looks good, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not sure I would have singled out the colors. It's funny. I would say all the superstar colors that are there are either at um, Dark Horse or Marvel right now. I don't think DC's mm. got an incredibly good coloring team at all right now. Huh. I would have to check that out because I, I don't know. Like, I do think that um, whoever's doing the colors on Greg Capullo's Batman, I thought was doing an awesome fucking job. Uh, but I, I think I think generally I think the bar for color has been going up. Like I, I think that's I mean there's superstar colorists, which as you point out we've had for a while and maybe like over a decade now, but I think it's getting to the point where everybody is like the bar is being upped and like you said, if it's not right, you notice it in a way that is kind of painful. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think I think that that's a fascinating new growth industry and um, you know right at the time that the, the the mainstream market is continuing its collapse into a you know white dwarf so hooray <laughs> on, on that happy note hey I've got one thing I, I want to talk about just before we have to go because I do have a hard stop sorry listeners this is another short week I got sent a comp of uh, an Oni book that hasn't even been solicited yet called The Coldest City which is Anthony Johns and Sam Hart it's a, a a, oh, nice. an end of the Cold War graphic novel mm-hmm. um, anyone who liked Queen and Country, especially anyone who liked like the more political aspects of Queen and Country mm-hmm. you should get this book when it comes out, it's not coming out until May um, mm-hmm. it's really really good, I kind of wish it was coming out like today so that everyone who goes to see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy can then be like oh I wonder if there's a book like that, oh there's this Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. I really like it. And what I really want to draw attention to is Sam Hart's art does something that I've longed for, no joke, for 20 years, which is someone goes, remember what CBO's art looked like in Zenith Phase 2 and then what it looked like in Zenith Phase 3? I wonder if I could come up with an art style that looks right in the middle of that. 
I have honestly wanted someone to do that with black and white art for 20 years and he does it and with that one book he becomes like my one of my favorite artists wow that is fantastic so yeah May 2012 comes out it's going to be right. a 176 page black and white hardcover mm-hmm. and people who like the spy stuff should read it the end great Right. Well, let's uh, let's try to mention it a little closer to. Yeah, the I, I will try and remember. I, I will try and remember it between that. Right. And, um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay, uh, is I I want to talk about the Muppet movie a little bit because I think it's always fun to talk about non-comic stuff. Let's do ten minutes of the Muppet movie. Let's and then then really I'll have to run. But let's do ten minutes of the Muppet movie. Okay, fair enough. But I just wanted to say, on the other hand, I didn't want to give you short shift to. Uh, over a book that I haven't read in comparison to other stuff. No, no, go, go, go. Okay, all right. So, Muppet Movie. What'd you think? I really liked it. Did we not have this last... No, because what happened was when we talked last time, you'd seen it and I had... But I thought I I expressed that I really liked it. Uh, Maybe you did, but maybe it was off mic. I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would, which was going to be... Which was um, really a relief, actually. Because I think what you, my brother had seen it and he was like, I, there were the parts that I liked and then there were the parts that were kind of lazy that I didn't like. Weirdly enough, I didn't have quite that divided an experience. I was like, I pretty much enjoy this all the way through. Like when my complaints are there's not enough musical numbers and that the, the human actors don't get enough time to like sing and dance. I think that's pretty spectacular. There, there is a lot to love about it. There is, there are bits that don't work, but I think the bits that do work work so well that you're like, okay then. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Really, the only thing that kind of where the story lives and dies is is, and by which I mean really dies for me is the new Muppet. Yes, I was not really interested in him. Has to be said. Yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't think it, the the closest you can get is only if he, you know is if you view it through this amazing fight clubian sort of lens. <laughs> For Jason Segel, if, when he's singing Am I a Man and a Muppet, he actually chooses yeah. both simultaneously? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Is, is, yeah, exactly. That he and Walter are like, you know, they're, they're, they are, it's a weird Tyler Durden thing going on there. Where Thank you for playing. bringing that wonderfully dark reading of the Muppet movie. A light, happy <laughs> film that I really enjoyed to my attention. Well, I, but but you know but I don't think that that is necessarily a they're going for different things than they're going with in Fight Club and I should also say that that the uh, remarkable and brilliant Chuck Jordan who is a guy that I, I've worked with very briefly and I think is really an incredible genius had thrown forward this theory on his blog uh, spectercolly.com uh, but it you know whereas in Fight Club and it's it's almost in a way for different for the same reasons as Fight Club the movie. But it's very much that split is him choosing to be a grown-up and responsible in two different ways, I guess. So once he actually puts his life together with Amy Adams, he's then able to address his um, other issues about what it means to grow up and becoming who you want to be and being responsible about it um, to Walter. To me, honestly, it's the only way the movie kind of is interesting because apart from that, Walter seems like kind of it, it, he seems he he's the most fanficy character you've ever seen actually hit the big screen in quite some time <laughs> you know he really should be called self insert the muppet 
Actually, there we go. <laughs> Uh, but I really enjoyed. I I thought that uh, it made me want to break out my Flight of the Concords. Uh, the songs were albums. spectacular, weren't they? Weren't they? They were really really good. I thought that that was um, they just they just killed it on the songs, um, and some of the other stuff. Just all the little bits of cleverness I thought were great. You know, I had. I mean, my one complaint is the uncomfortable. I believe entirely unconscious racial subtext to the movie, but. I won't trouble you with it. If you were troubled by Fight Club, you'll be far more troubled by this. So, but just hint at it. Just hint at it. Why don't you? Okay. It seemed to me, and maybe I am wrong, that in that movie, whenever you had someone of color pop up, they were quote unquote the bad guys. Now, here's another problem this movie has with uh, people of color. I don't even remember anyone of color in that movie. Right. So there you go. See? Chris Cooper. No. Uh... <laughs> Chris Cooper's rock, by the way. Might have been my yes. favorite moment, moment of cinema. <laughs> oh, wow. Wasn't that amazing? I thought that was great. Um, but, well, uh, yeah, okay. So they're not really villains, but it's it was weird to me that Rashida Jones and Donald Glover and Ken Jeong all represent modern entertainment and modern television which is basically being presented as kind of debased and having lost its sense of wonder again Chris Cooper performs the only rap number or the closest nod you get to anything that is quote unquote rap or hip hop is Chris Cooper the villain and then in addition at the end like he brings in like the, the quote unquote dark Muppets you know I guess that aren't the Muppets uh, yeah the, the Muppets yes I, uh, sadly you're now making an incredible amount of sense to me yeah so it, so that was that was my problem basically that, 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 that is a, a substantial yeah that is a real problem yeah so like I was kind of like you've well, ruined the Muppets for me <laughs> goal no I feel terrible that's not what I wanted to do, but it is one of those it's, things. It's kind of fascinating when you put it like that. I, that hadn't occurred to me at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I'm kind of hoping what it is is that I'm totally overlooking the fact that there is someone else of color who was totally awesome that I, looking you know, at, in look, a positive way. Looking at the IMTB list, you might be disappointed if that's what you're holding it up for. Yeah, no, I'm not really. I just, I want to... I, 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 I'm tempted to say that Rashida Jones almost disproves your theory because she is the best misguided and then she discovers her sense of wonder maybe yeah. because the whole thing is like the only human character who does not have a cynical side and then has to discover a sense of wonder is um, Jason Siegel because even Amy Adams is like I'm going to go off and be sad and I've been abandoned and I don't really believe in the Muppets so it's uh, I mean I can see your point but mm-hmm. Maybe it's just speciesist against human, Jeff. Yeah, that would be awesome, but I don't know. I, no, I, I, I totally know what you're saying. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm throwing out the possibility that maybe it's not. <laughs> but it's a weak one. It's a weak, weak defense. <laughs> you have yeah. that film for me, thanks. Yeah, hey, I, I'm never going people. to be able to watch that film again. I loved 80s Robot. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, 80s Robot was hilarious. 80s Robot totally worked for it. I liked, like I said, apart from that one little bit, that I was actually surprised by how much the rest of it actually really did did work for me. So, you know, 
Uh, the Muppets, people. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, go see it. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, and you want to see it, I'll be surprised. Do you know, uh, like right. one of those films that like was so ever present that I think if you had any interest, you've probably already seen it. Well, certainly that seems to be the the way the sales figures broke down. Like I was shocked by how much how much that dropped in its second weekend. That that really did surprise me. I I figured the Muppets was going to have a lot more legs than that, and I'll be curious to see if it has more legs building up to Christmas. I don't know. I mean, last weekend the box office was horrible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they lost no, no, like no, but in, in general, not just sure, the Muppets. Sure. Well, no, no, no. I'm. I guess that's what I'm saying. Is yes, it was hor. It was like for a soft, really soft weekend. I would have expected the Muppets to do more than drop seventy-seven percent of its uh, of its initial weekend. You know, seventy-seven percent. Yeah, it's, it's it's horrendous. Yeah, that's not good at all. So um, that that shocked me. But like I said, I'm kind of hoping maybe there are people who were like, eh, I was just I was way too busy between Thanksgiving and after Thanksgiving to, to go get it. I don't know. You know? All I can say is, like, for those people who are fans of sneaking in to the theater or going to a daily matinee when there are no crowds, you could do much worse than the Muppets. So. But don't sneak in, people. That's, like, yeah, pay. illegally Seriously. downloading stuff and what else is, like, it's like buying bootleg DVDs. It's not, it's like stealing a bootleg DVD off the street. <laughs> That's right, because nobody makes any money. Um, although, I, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> so, you get to come up with a clever closer, and then we... Oh, I don't. I'm so... No, my brain is puggled. I said this at the start. I have no... Oh, yeah. But I will, say, I will say this, ladies and gentlemen, and Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for including me. <laughs> what? Awesome. <laughs> I got a shout-out on my own podcast. I am so stoked. Seriously. Our audience and Michael host. Do you know what next week's episode is? It's the last episode for Christmas. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh wow, that is crazy. Wait, no, that can't be right. <laughs> no, no, really is. Ooh. Uh, right. Um. Wow, that's gonna be crazy. We're gonna get another break in. This has been. We're gonna. I think we're gonna get another break in. We're gonna yeah. get into. What's that? We're gonna get broken into. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, because in theory, we could talk on the 22nd. Ain't nothing stopping us. I'm going to be working on the 22nd, so sure. You are? Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so I, you don't want to do it? or you I'm, go- I'm going to be working forever, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I've, so I found out today that I actually get the day after Christmas and the day after New Year off from time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will mean, which might mean I'm getting days off like properly, depending on what my other people are saying. Sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if I don't. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, uh, let's stay in touch. I suspect if you want to do it that week, and I can understand if you absolutely don't because you'll be trying to. No, I, I kind of do because I kind of want to do a, a year in review podcast. You know, a year in review would be great, and what we should do next week is we should do the gift guide. Cause if oh my we, god, are we going to have to come up with a gift guide? <laughs> well, you know what I mean? We should talk about... Well, actually, I guess the year in review kind of is like a gift guide. No, because well, year in review, you can talk about all the shitty things as well. Right, exactly. So so next week, we'll do the gift guide where we tell people, like... And by the time it goes up, it will go up, 
like just in before the days Christmas. Before Christmas, <laughs> so people, it's like I don't know what to get. Uh, Graham said to go get uh, Harker Vagrant. That would be spectacular, wouldn't it? Like, hey, for your grandmother, why don't you get her Final Crisis? She'll be dying. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> there you go, listeners. Next week we're going to say something really terrible and tasteless like that. Tune in. <laughs>